Okay. So today we're looking at Batman number fifteen, the February March issue from nineteen forty three, published at the very end of nineteen forty two, the fourth comic in the issue. Which is evident this time because we're looking at a Christmas comic. On the cover, we have the Batplane. It's flying through the streets of Gotham, and it's all decked out with snow and bells and wreaths and sleigh treads. On one side of the street, people are happy to see it, and they're throwing up their hats. And on the other side of the street, people aren't happy to see it, and they're pointing guns at it and shooting. And above the Batmobile and the city, there's this giant looming specter of Santa. And this comic is called The Loneliest Men in the World. So the comic starts off with a bunch of carolers. They're walking along, singing Silent Night. All of Gotham seems to be in the Christmas spirit, too. People are donating to Bell Santa. People are wishing each other a Merry Christmas. And Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are walking through the streets carrying towers of presents. As we watch, a woman bumps into Dick and all his presents go flying. The woman apologizes and Dick is all, Look, Bruce, it happened again! And then he laughs. Bruce says he's used to being bumped into, which I suppose means no one can see him behind that big stack of presents he's carrying. He picks up all the presents and Bruce and Dick continue on their way until they see some little kid standing beneath a light post. Dick is all, that kid looks like he expects Santa to pass him by. And Bruce says that he does, but here's where he gets fooled. And they go up to the kid and give him a present. Bruce says that it's from Santa. Santa told them to deliver it to him. And Dick says that Santa also sent them to ask about his home life. The kid actually tells them. He says that things aren't really very good at home right now. His mom is sick. So Bruce hands him some money and says to go buy a big Christmas dinner and lots of presents with it. The kid cheers up a bit and then they head on their way. Dick's all, I felt good before, but now I feel much better. And Bruce is all, so do I. But it makes me sad to think how many are unhappy this Christmas. He continues as they walk up to their house, which actually looks a lot different than the last shot we got of their house. The last time we saw it, it was L-shaped. This time, it's a lot more of a cottage. Bruce says, well, the youngster they ran into earlier that day might not have it so good. A lot of other people have it even worse because at least that kid has a mother. A lot of other people don't have families at all. And Dick's all, we're lucky, all right. We have each other and one of the finest homes in Gotham City. It does look nice. And I'm glad you consider yourselves doing well in the family situation, because you could very easily have a different outlook on that. The two get into the house where they have a roaring fire, a tall grandfather clock, and a giant Christmas tree, all decorated with red and yellow balls. They even have a red chair, too. It's nice to see them keeping a theme around Christmas. Doesn't look too haphazard, very well decorated. And it's made even better by all the presents stuffed under the tree, all of which are wrapped in white paper with red bows. Bruce says they have dozens of friends to send them presents, but unfortunately there are some unlucky people out there who have no friends. 
Dick Psalm, it must be awful to be lonely at Christmas, and just as I was looking forward to enjoying ourselves. He decides that maybe instead of enjoying their own holiday, they should go out and bring some Christmas cheer to lonely people. To the loneliest men in the world, he says. Bruce gets up and claps him on the shoulder. He's all, I was hoping you'd suggest that. Only, I don't think it's a job for Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne. It's a job for Batman and Robin, and they go put on their costumes. Robin jokes that they're playing Santa Claus, and all they need now is a sled and a reindeer. But Batman's like, oh, we've got something just as good. And then he picks up a tree. Not the tree they had standing in the background before. It's smaller. The tree from before was at least two men tall, and this one's shorter than Batman. So that means they have multiple trees. Robin picks up a big sack of presents, too, and they run down to the underground garage where they keep the Batmobile, where they decorate it with bells and stars and presents. They even have the tree on it sticking out the back. They've also put runners on it, so it's like a sled instead of a plane. You think that'll mess up its flying? I mean, it would make it lots heavier. Robin says he's super excited to be Santa, and this is going to be more fun than anything they've done in a long time. Right, Robin, but fun isn't all you and Batman are going to encounter in this night's adventure, for the spirit of Christmas has never yet penetrated the dark depths of the underworld, and the underworld has never ceased to hate and fear what you stand for. Oh, I'm sure criminals can have Christmas, too. I'm sure they like getting presents. Batman and Robin hop into the even weirder-than-normal Batplane and fly off into the night. Robin asks how they're going to find the loneliest man on Earth to cheer up his Christmas. And Batman says not to worry because he has a list. Maybe not of the loneliest men in the world, but three who aren't far from it. Fortunately, all in Gotham City. They're going to go play Santa for those three, but first they decide to stop in at police headquarters and see Commissioner Gordon. Batman assures us that he's not actually one of the men on the list, probably because of his debatably existent wife. But they're going to go give him season's greetings. And when they get there, Commissioner Gordon really needs the greetings. He's currently talking to Dirk Dagner, a notorious chief of an underground gang. He tells him that he'd better believe in Santa because the police aren't letting him go because they want to. They just can't prove that he was mixed up in any of the holdups he's done. Dirk slams his hands down on the desk and is all, I'll believe in Santa Claus when I read Batman's obituary. Why? What does Santa have to do with Batman being dead? Is your desired present from Santa for him to kill Batman? I kind of feel like if that's your desired present, you're going to wind up with Cole. Also, Santa's fake. Fortunately, Batman and Robin... Even though they have just finished bursting in the window, Commissioner Gordon has one that opens easily. Have not heard Dirk talking about how he wants to kill them. They've just heard their names mentioned. And look, Commissioner Gordon has a giant portrait of himself over his desk. Didn't realize he was so vain. They say that they're celebrating Christmas and they just came to drop in on Commissioner Gordon. But Dirk thinks that maybe they're there to make trouble for him. When they deny it, he just goes, bah! and slams out of the room. Then Batman tells Commissioner Gordon that they're on a secret special brand new celebrating Christmas mission. And Commissioner Gordon's all, ooh, well how about you let me in on the secret? 
And Batman does immediately. He tells him all about the three loneliest men in the world. Come to think of it, Batman, why are you keeping track of that? And how do you know? I think Batman's been prying into some people's personal lives. But it's in a good way. The first person who's lonely is the doorman at the swanky crane club who they're going to visit. Then they're going to visit Link Chesney, a radio humorist, the gloomiest man in all of Gotham City. And finally, they'll go visit the old lighthouse keeper at Prairie Reef, who spends months on end all by himself. Okay, I don't know how you found out about the first two, but I do believe that the lighthouse keeper is the loneliest man in Gotham City. Commissioner Gordon's all, oh, if only I could go with you and help you cheer these guys up. Unfortunately, he has a job, so he has to stay and work. But there's one guy here who doesn't. Over in the hallway, eavesdropping on Batman and Robin, is Dirk Dagner. He's all, that sentimental stuff gives me a pain. Sort of same, but it was the 40s. People were less cynical then. Dirk Dagner leaves the police office and he's all, this gives me an idea of how to make some dough and at the same time give Batman the worst Christmas he's ever had. Okay, that's a little far. You don't need to ruin Batman's Christmas over this. But Dirk Dagner definitely thinks he does. He goes to an underworld rendezvous and talks to three guys in gray suits. He tells them all about the plan, and they think it's a genius plan. I don't know why they feel like going to exactly where Batman is and trying to rob those places is a good plan, but they do, and they go. So the first place Batman and Robin are going is the exclusive Crane Club, where we see the doorman greeting all the people coming in. He's greeting them by name, too, but they barely acknowledge him. And when we zoom in, we see him shivering in the cold. He's kind of depressed because he's going to have to spend his whole Christmas Eve standing inside while all the rich people get to party inside. But that's just what his job is. He's still kind of depressed about it. He's all, nobody wastes a second thought on me. People will be surprised to find out I have feelings. Reckon I'm about the loneliest man in town. Maybe this is how Batman finds them out. Maybe they self-identify. But the doorman, Ben, isn't lonely for long. Batman and Robin drop out of the sky from the bat plane with its ladder. I wonder if it's just going to be hovering above the club while they go inside. They've come to spend time with Ben and have even brought him a few presents. The first thing they do is steer him into the club. Batman tells him that he's the guest of honor tonight. He puts up some protest, he's all, but... Who's going to help all those rich folks get out of their cars? And Robin rightfully points out that rich people can get out of cars by themselves. And if they can't, he says, let them stay there. The three get further into the club and everyone's thrilled. They're all, Batman, how glamorous. Then he gets up in front of them and makes a speech. He talks about how cool their doorman is. And how this is the one night where the most expensive club in town should remember its most neglected employee. Then he puts his arm around the doorman's shoulders and he's all, Ben Botts, veteran doorman. In all his years of service, he never once has been invited to join your fun. And now is the day to change that. Ben is still protesting, but the partygoers seem fine with that. 
They immediately start celebrating, and Ben's boss comes out. He's all, Ben, I've got something to say to you. Ben's all, oh no, I'm going to be fired. But then the boss just puts his arm around his shoulder too, and he goes, Ben, I'm so sorry for not realizing how valuable you were earlier. I'm going to give you a raise. And tonight you're the guest of honor. Ben's immediately happy, and everybody starts complimenting him. The singers in the back even sing, he's a jolly good fellow. But, oh no, outside, Ben's not there anymore, so there's no one to stop Dirk Dagner from walking right in. And he does exactly that. He comes in with his backup gray suit guys and guns, and he goes, this is a holdup, folks. Be nice, and you won't lose anything but your cash and jewels. Don't try nothing, Batman, otherwise we'll shoot. He doesn't seem to realize he's used a double negative, though. Fortunately enough for him, Batman's not going to jump on that, and he actually restrains Robin and tells him not to put any people in danger. Over in the corner, Ben Botts is so upset, he's all, Oh, why did I let the Batman drag me inside? I'd have never let these crooks get past me. Now I'm disgraced. My perfect record spoiled. Now, while Dirk Dagner and his gray suit men are robbing all these people, they also go and rob Batman and Robin. They take one of the gifts right out of Robin's hand. They unwrap it too, but they really don't have any idea what it is. Robin tells them that it's a new kind of seat cane, a handy gadget for a man who spends a lot of time on his feet and offers to show them how it works. They actually take him up on the offer, and while he's reaching up to work the seat cane, they lean in to stare and see how he does it with question marks over their heads. He presses the button to activate the seat cane, and it snaps open with a snap and hits the two thugs on the head with pop, pop. Now half the gang is taken out, and Batman's able to beat up the other ones. They have a brief fight. Dirk Dagner eventually gets Batman at gunpoint. He's all, we didn't intend to kill you, Batman, but if you insist. And Batman reminds him that this is only buying him a ticket to the electric chair. In the background, Ben Botts is all, I can't let them get away with this. And he picks up a chicken from the buffet table. It's a cooked chicken. Its wings have been taken off, but the legs are still attached. The wings were probably taken off before cooking. And then he throws the chicken right at Dirk, who is pointing the gun at Batman. It hits him in the head and knocks his hat off. Then he's defeated and he has to run away, but he tells Batman he won't forget this. Robin tries to chase him, but Batman says there's too much crowd in the way. They go back to Ben to make sure he's fine and find him getting his salary doubled, so it all worked out in that area. Batman and Robin head back out to the Batplane where it was parked in stabilization mode. They climb up into it and fly off to their next appointment. On the way, Robin says that it's really lucky their plan worked out as it did. It almost backfired. Imagine meeting Dirk at headquarters and then fighting him an hour later. But Batman doesn't think this was an accident. He thinks Dirk's heard about their plans to cheer people up and he's following them. But, he says, now that Dirk's taken a beating, maybe he'll wise up and take the rest of the night off. But in this case, Batman was exactly wrong. Dirk's brain has been inflamed with hatred, and he's going to keep going after Batman. He even knows where the next place is, Link Chelsea's place. 
and he and his thugs head off right away. Meanwhile, at Link Chesney's house, he is having a terrible evening. He is gloomy by nature, and he doesn't even like Christmas. Who should know better than I the emptiness of it, he says. People roar at my jokes, but the minute my broadcasts are over, they forget me. Look at me tonight, the loneliest man in America. I mean, there are probably plenty of people who don't have anyone to spend Christmas with. And his house is really nice, so that's got to count for something. While he's sitting in front of his fireplace watching it, he hears the doorbell ring. He says that he gave the servants the night off, so he goes to answer it himself. And who does he find in front of his door? But Batman and Robin, they got there before Dirk. They ask to come in, and he lets them in, but he says the atmosphere won't be pleasant. They're going to try to cheer him up, but he's all, It's no use. People are cold, and they've chilled me permanently. Batman's like, No. Surely there must be some spark of warmth in you to bring out all those jokes. But Mr. Chesney disagrees. He shows them into another room, where he has this big pink file drawer with at least nine drawers. He says that this is his gag file. All his jokes are in this. New ones he's bought, old ones with new twists. He says it's worth a lot of money, but there's nothing warm or human about it. Batman swears up and down that he'll prove before the night is over that the world is a friendly place. But I think it might take a good bit of effort from him because right then, Dirk and his dog show up with a bunch of guns. They say they're going to take the joke file, and they're going to make him the subject of the biggest joke he's ever heard of on Batman and his kid pal. Everyone's very confused. So confused, Batman doesn't even get a hit in before he's clubbed with the butt of a gun. Then Robin's clubbed just as easily with a blackjack. Mr. Chesney's all, you rats, I'll see you suffer for this, but you can't really do anything. And the thugs are left to set up for their big joke. The first part involves tying Batman and Robin to a radiator, which probably sucks for them because radiators are very hot. They do some fumbling with ropes, and in the next panel we have a very elaborate setup. Batman and Robin are tied to the radiators with ropes around their necks, and those ropes are looped over some lights that are just above the radiator, and then the other end of the ropes that still are around Batman and Robin's necks are used to tie up Mr. Chesney. He's on his toes, and if he falls back onto flat feet, the ropes will strangle Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin wake up at this situation very confused, with Dirk already taking the joke file away. As he leaves, he goes, We'll take your place at the lighthouse, Batman. And it wouldn't surprise me if there was a shipwreck out that way. Batman gets in the snappy one-liner. I'd rather be where I am than in your shoes when the law finally gets you. Batman, I kind of think if you can't get them, the law won't. Now, surely Batman and Robin are planning a daring escape, but we're not going to follow them right now. We're actually going to follow Dirk and his thugs over to the lighthouse. A wave-lashed stone tower that sends forth a golden beam of warning. The lighthouse keeper, Tom Wick, is sitting inside just like any other night, even though it is December 24th. Xmas Eve, it says on his calendar. He's all, it's hard being old and alone in this night, but I reckon folks can't be bothered thinking about me way out here. 
I'm surprised he has the data accurate at all with him being so isolated and all. While he's hanging out near his light, he sees, towards the shore, a little boat. It's heading towards him. Normally, lighthouses are in places to keep boats away from the place, but I suppose it could be possible for little boats to get to them. A few minutes later, Dirk and his gang come and knock on the door of the lighthouse. They're all, the weather really is horrible, but we felt so sorry for you, thinking you might have to spend Christmas all alone. And the lighthouse keeper is fooled, of course. They're using Batman's strategy here, and he invites them in. He shows them all over the lighthouse until they eventually come to the light. Don't touch that. It's probably floating in a bath of mercury. It'll probably drive you insane or something. Fortunately for the thugs, they don't actually have to touch the mercury light. Tom Wick explains to them that there's a switch on the wall, and if the switch is pulled, then the light will go out. The Spanish castle, a boat outside, would probably be wrecked, he says, with war materials worth millions. And then the thugs know everything they need to, and they club him on the back of the head. Then, of course, they turn the lights off. They say that after the ship hits the reef, They'll lug off enough stuff to make them rich. And then we leave the thugs to their mercury poisoning and head back to Batman and Robin. They're still restrained. Mr. Chesney is still standing on his tiptoes on a stool, but he's not that good at it, and he's going to fall over into the backs of his feet soon. He's all, I'd rather die than harm you, but can't stand like this any longer. Batman's like, all right, we'll come up with a plan. It's not going to be easy, though. And when he says that, he of course means for him, because he stretches his legs out under the stool and picks it up with just his calves. Batman's really strong. That is not a position where you have leverage. Now Mr. Chesney can stand flat-footed. And Batman says that now Mr. Chesney has to jump onto his shoulders and lean against the wall. Mr. Chesney's like, all right, I'll give it a go. And then he jumps and Batman kicks the stool simultaneously into the light above them. The lights break with a pop. Pop, and Mr. Chesney manages to land on Batman's shoulder. Robin's all, what's the big idea? And Batman scolds him for being stupid, picks up the broken glass, and is all, this isn't the first time we've given ourselves a break by breaking glass. Batman, sometimes I wonder how you ever became a dark superhero. Soon, Batman has all the ropes cut and they're able to get free. But this has actually probably made Mr. Chesney more depressed. His valuable file is gone, the crooks are up to more devilry, and not one of his listeners bothered to remember him on Christmas. Batman's like, well, I can't do anything about the first two, but we can fix the third one, just answer your phone right now. Mr. Chastney goes and picks up his phone, where he tunes in to a giant hookup call, all of his listeners saying Merry Christmas to him over and over again. He's so happy he cries. Yes, parasocial relationships are very strong. He's all, fans of mine all over the country, phoning in on one great hookup. They didn't forget. But of course, this was your doing, Batman. And Batman's like, yup, that was us. Now, Robin and I are going to have to go leave and catch those crooks. So, Batman and Robin run out the door with Mr. Chesty having a new bright perspective on life and faith in humanity restored. Batman and Robin hurtle back to the Batplane and send it streaking off towards the lighthouse. When they can see it, Batman gives Robin the controls and tells him that he's going overside. While they're flying in, they see the Spanish crown. It's getting dangerously close to the rocks. 
Some of the thugs standing at the lighthouse think that it'll hit within five minutes and then all the loot will be theirs. But they don't have five minutes because that's when Batman comes swooping down from the Batplane and kicks one of them in the face after he calls him a murdering rat. They're all Batman and it can't be Batman. He's dead. And then Batman punches that guy in the face. He's like, if I'm dead, you've been hit by a ghost. I mean, people have thought you were a ghost before, Batman. It was stupid of them, but they did. Then Robin gets down from the Batplane too and starts punching more thugs. Batman chases Dirk Dagner into the lighthouse where he punches him into the lighthouse switch and sets the light back on while Dirk Dagner gets electrocuted. The light turns back on, and the Spanish crown is able to escape being dashed on the rocks. After all, the thugs are beaten up and restrained, probably. Batman and Robin go wake up Tom Wick, the lighthouse keeper, and they all go down into the body of the lighthouse and have a party. They've got radio and books and a bunch of food. Tom says that they're just the presents for a lonely old man. The best gifts of all are Batman and Robin. They're happy to be there, but they shouldn't be. Even if the mercury light has been removed, there are definitely huge amounts of trace mercury all over that lighthouse. All three of you need to leave before you go nuts. Eventually, Batman and Robin do leave. And the first thing they do is give the police officers a present in the form of Dirk Dagner and his gang, all tied up with a giant red bow and a tag that says, For Commissioner Gordon twice the sides of their heads. Then they hurry home to see what Santa's brought them. And the next morning, after all the presents have been opened, Dick reflects on what happened last night. He's all, I've been thinking, Bruce. We never did find out who the loneliest man on earth is, did we? Bots, Chesney, and Wick had friends they didn't know about. And Bruce is all, no, we did find out who the loneliest man in the world was. We sent him to prison for life. The loneliest man is Dick Dagner. Bruce, you sent this guy to prison for life. You could at least remember his name. But Bruce continues to make judgments on a man he apparently knows literally nothing about. He's all, he's never had a friend because he's all greed and hatred. He's completely bad. A wild beast to be kept caged. And Dick is all, no one will ever say to him as we say to our friends. Merry Christmas. And he's turned to look straight at us, so he's wishing us a Merry Christmas. Oh, and Bob Kane has wished us a Merry Xmas as well. Thank you, Bob Kane. The end.